Letter thirteen of the History of Lady Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The History of Lady Barton by Elizabeth Griffith. Letter thirteen. Miss Cleveland to Lady Barton. My dear Louisa, I have received both your letters and really think no situation can be more difficult than yours. But as you see the precipice before you, I will trust in that good providence which is the guardian and support of innocence, that he will enable you to avoid it. I am persuaded I felt as much resentment as yourself on reading Colonel Walter's letter. I perfectly approve of your not showing it to Sir William, but I cannot by any means divine what could be the motive for writing it. Ever since you mentioned the change in Lord Lucan's behaviour, I have had some apprehensions of his passion for you, but would not hint them for fear of giving you uneasiness. Oh, my Louisa, how nicely circumspect must your conduct be if you mean to escape the dangers that surround you! And how much brighter than gold, seven times tried in the furnace, will that conduct appear, when it has passed through more than a trial ordeal, unsullied and unhurt! You have never given me the least reason to apprehend that Sir William is inclinable to jealousy— this is certainly a very fortunate circumstance in your present situation, but do not suffer yourself to be lulled into a state of security by his apparent indolence. Vigilant and watchful must that woman be who has so many foes to shield against. The unkindness of Sir William, the passion and merits of Lord Lucan, the arts and malice of Colonel Walter, but the last and most formidable, shall I venture to speak out, is your own heart. You have not yet begun to suspect it, it is therefore the more dangerous enemy. Examine it, my sister. Call it to strict account, and if you find one sentiment or wish that lurks in secret there unworthy of yourself, banish it, I beseech you. Thoughts, even without purposes, are criminal, where our honour is in question. Consider the slightest idea of this kind as a young serpent. Though stingless now, its growth will give it strength and power to wound the breast that nursed and cherished it. Crush it betimes, Louisa and be at peace for life. I weep faster than I write. My brother's unhappiness and yours have sunk my spirits to the lowest ebb. He is still inconsolable. He has received a most extraordinary letter from Brute Colville. I can call her nothing else. She says, She hopes he has by this time surmounted his grief for her daughter, as it is highly irrational to mourn for one who is so surely happy. She entreats him to go directly to Paris, as she has something very particular to inform him of, relative to Delia's last request, which she will not communicate by letter. This hint has roused Sir George's curiosity, or rather awakened the fond desire of fulfilling any wish that Delia might have made. Yet he says he could not bear the sight of Mrs. Colville, whom he considers as her daughter's murderer, and the destroyer of his earthly happiness. I know not what to think of this affair, but I most earnestly wish that he would go anywhere. Exercise is always of service to an oppressed mind." Like the wheels of a machine, it lessens the weight, which rest restores again. However, Sir George shall not go by Amiens, if he goes at all and that I have any power to persuade him. No one can tell where Lord Hume has been for some time past. The only letter I received was dated from Naples, which he said he should quit the next day, and write to me the moment he was determined to fix it any place. If a brother's and sister's unhappiness did not at present take up all my thoughts, and as it were usurp the place of my own sorrow, I could allow it ample scope, Louisa. But I will now restrain it, at least within my own breast, 
and indulge myself in the more generous sensation of grieving for the distresses of those who are more wretched, and not less dear to me, than myself. Sir George returns your love a hundredfold. I have never given him the least hint of your being unhappy, as I knew it would render him still more so. I do not think that even a brother should interfere between husband and wife, unless matters were come to such extremities as I hope they never will between Sir William and you. I would by all means wish to make you a friend, though not a confidant, of the young Harriet. If her heart and understanding be good, her want of knowledge in the ways of the world will not render her a less eligible companion or adviser. There is something extremely striking in the natural sentiments of an untainted mind. They resemble the purity and delicacy of water drank at the fountain, before it has been impregnated with these adventitious flavors which it acquires in its currency. I know not why, but I am vastly prejudiced in Harriet's favor. I am apt to think she will lessen your domestic uneasinesses, or at least prevent your brooding over them in solitude and silence. If I ever visit you in Ireland, I shall endeavor to obtain a corner of her little innocent heart. This will be no robbery, for I flatter myself that she will love you the better the more she loves me. Miss Granville is returned from Bath. She is at present my only companion. Within these two days, Sir George has admitted her into his apartment. She has lost all her spirits and vivacity, and is perfectly qualified to perform the part of a mute in a tragedy, for she sighs often and never speaks. She has not, however, communicated the cause of her mourning to me. Yet I fancy if she were obliged to sing a French song, Maudit Amour would be the first that would occur to her. You will easily perceive that my letters, like yours, are written at different intervals, and I hope you will also perceive that my spirits are better than when I began this epistle, though nothing particular has happened to enliven them, except my taking an airing with Sir George and my quondam admirer Mr. Lloyd in Richmond Park this morning. The moral of the tale I sing, as before, is that air and exercise are the best medicines in the world, both for mind and body. By the way, I hope you both continue and indulge your passion for riding. I hear the outlets about Dublin are delightful. You will be unpardonable if you don't visit them all. Pray give my love to the little Harriet. You may also offer it to Sir William, for indeed I am very well inclined even to bestow, since he will not suffer me to pay it to him. Adieu. Adieu, ma très chère sœur. F. Cleveland. P.S. Pray inquire of Lord Lucan if he ever hears from Lord Hume. End of letter 13